0: Welcome to the McKissick Health Podcast, where we discuss how one choice can ignite your purpose and that one choice will change your life. We are welcoming to the podcast, Jade I Hendricks. Jade I Hendrix grew up in a single parent household, which shaped her initial perspective of wealth and security. This motivated her to secure over $600,000 in scholarships and obtain her bachelor's degree debt-free. Primarily focused on personal finance, Jade volunteers with local organizations that work with high school students on college preparation, professional development, and financial education. Jade's professional portfolio includes working for Fortune 100 companies. She has developed training programs, educated millennial clients, and enhanced diversity and inclusion initiatives to grow the talent pool She's also passionate about holistic health and wellness, maintaining a consistent workout routine, and reaching her fifth year on a plant-based diet. Her favorite motto is discipline and consistency equals results, and she applies that to every aspect of her life with the intention of leading by example. Welcome to the podcast, Jade. Thank you. I'm so excited. I'm so excited.
1: excited. When I was reading this, and I was like, what in the world? Talent pipeline, Jade first off, let's back it up. Let's talk about <laughs> when you were a high school senior, and you said, Mama, I'm going to college, and you started filling out all these scholarship applications. Like, coming up with $600,000 is not easy at all. Mm-mm.
2: What was going through your mind as a high school student? Yeah, it's kind of funny, because I, when I tell the story, I always have to go back to the fact that I initially didn't want to go to college at all. Mm. I just felt like it wasn't something that I needed to do to be successful, and it wasn't that I didn't have the grades I was a 4.2 student-athlete. So it wasn't that I didn't have the grades or extracurriculars. I just really felt like it's expensive, and if I want to go, you know, if I want to go, I I need to be able to pay for it. And then at my school, I went to a private high school. We had to do a senior paper on um, just a senior thesis, a senior exit paper, and I ended up doing mine on the value of a college degree. Like, that was something that really just resonated with me in this whole idea of what I was going to do after high school. And in my research, I really just, what resonated with me the most is that uh, college is more than just the education piece and there's so much that you can learn being around other people who are kind of on the same track and I just felt like of course I could still do the entrepreneurship thing or of course I could still be successful but I felt like there was something that I was missing and so at that point I said well if I'm going to do college I can't pay for it like I'm not going to pay for it I don't want my mom to take out any loans and I just got really aggressive about my application strategy for scholarships, and when I tell you I applied for everything you could think of, I spent hours throughout the weeks just applying for different scholarships. I stayed in the college and career center at, at my high school, talked to my guidance counselor on a regular basis, and then the money just started rolling in, and And I wish I could say that it was all for one school, but I think I was really aggressive in applying for schools as well, so that was probably across 20 schools or so, uh, but Thankfully I was able to get a full tuition scholarship to FIST. And then a lot of the extra money that came in I was able to use toward, you know, traveling to Nashville from Milwaukee and uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But I knew I wanted to go. Once I made the decision or changed my mind that I wanted to go, I knew that I needed to figure out how I was gonna do without putting a financial burden on my mom. Um, given that I still had two younger brothers that that needed to be at home and taken
1: care of. Right. Oh my goodness. So much insight. So you doing work with high school students about college preparation is like dead on. You're a great person to talk Mm -hmm. about it. I was lazy when it came to scholarships. (laughs) Let me be clear. (laughs) Um, I was really lazy, but I had like a good GPA. So it allowed me to get scholarship money. But that is one regret I definitely have. I wish I had been more diligent about applying for scholarships for undergrad, because it really makes a difference in your experience when you're not like stressed out. I'm just blown away. I'm blown away. I knew you had scholarships. I did not know, girl. I am glad that the system didn't fail you. And I'm sure your mother is very glad. That the system did not fail you, and oh, that yeah. she raised somebody who had the insight to do some research and get their get their stuff together, right?
2: Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, I think it definitely helped. Uh, definitely the financial burden off of her. Um, and I guess one thing I want to I want to add, and it's something that I that I tell students when I kind of tell my story, is that it didn't come easy. Obviously, like getting six hundred thousand dollars or any amount of scholarship money was not something mm-hmm. that I, that just randomly came to me. I had to spend the time and the hours and it's so funny because my younger cousins were like well I don't have you know I don't have time or you know they're doing this uh. and jobs and boyfriends or girlfriends or whatever the case may be and I'm like well how much time do you spend on social media and then they're mm. like oh and I'm like yeah can, can you take one hour from your you know the time you spend on scrolling on Instagram and use that hour to apply to four or five scholarships a day, wow. you know, or even not a day, maybe a week. But, you know, so just reprioritizing and understanding what your goal is, but then being intentional about getting to that goal. And, and I, I mean, it's funny now that I'm saying it out loud that that's the same message that I have across the board, you know, with financial literacy, with career coaching um, and also with personal finance. It's just that whole idea of intentionality, having a goal and then figuring out what steps you need to take to reach that goal Mm. now y'all see why she's a professional and why this is
1: like her thing i want to fast forward a little bit graduation day's over what was jay doing Mm -hmm. where was jay going what was life like
2: yeah i ended up moving from nashville to chicago to work for morgan stanley which is a wealth management company it's funny i not even think back i actually wanted to go back to school for for masters uh, but that didn't work out and um I joined financial services, so I started in a rotational program where uh, essentially it's a two-year program where I do, you know, three months in operations, compliance, business development, and then six months rotation with the financial advisor team. That ended up kind of shifting shape because after about seven to eight months in my, well, about a year later actually, um, I decided that I wanted to do something completely different that wasn't outlined in my operate or in my program and I wanted to focus in on diversity and inclusion. And I had a mentor at the time, well she's still my mentor actually, who was the regional diversity officer. So I worked with her and my manager at the time to create a, another rotation for myself in which I could work directly under the regional diversity officer to get some of that exposure into the things that, that I was passionate about and the things that felt more interesting to me. So that way I can get the most out of out of that rotation, rotational program as a whole and figure out what I wanted to do next. That program was set up to go into a financial advisor role and I, that wasn't something that I wanted to necessarily do and so I just need to figure out what happened but the diversity and inclusion role I think is kind of what jump-started this whole idea of um, coaching and working with youth really in all capacities.
1: Jay, I think you're being a little modest but you helped like pioneer this <laughs> program right? <laughs> I just want I want the people to understand like when I say she's a professional in her field like she's a boss here you you helped <laughs> develop this program. Tell us about that part.
2: Yeah, so when I joined the, um, when I started the rotation with the Regional Diversity Officer, the focus was really to find opportunities to recruit more students of color into the workforce, specifically into Morgan Stanley. And um, we started to have partnerships with uh, HBCUs around the country, obviously right. myself, a couple of other people that I know were from FISC, and then we had I think, um, I forgot what other HBCU was, but there was also another trainee or rotational program analyst that was from an HBCU as well. So we were like, well, why don't we continue to build these relationships with the institution in order to build a brand on campus, but also find talent, you know, great talent in schools in that most companies at the time, I mean, this was five years ago now, most companies at the time weren't actively recruiting at. And so... Um, mm. With the region diversity officer and my colleague, we uh, actually decided to do a case study competition. Um, it was a great way to not do the traditional lunch and learn, where we come and we sit in an auditorium and just talk to students for an hour and a half, and then of course you get the blank stares, <laughs> uh, like for Q and A. So like, why don't we engage the students in a way so they can really understand? what they would be expected to do in the day in the life of somebody who works here. It turned out absolutely amazing. We were able to leverage the local management teams from the offices in the state that the HBCs were located. So the managers got a chance to see the students. Um, The students got a chance to meet, you know, the regional team as well as the local managers. And it really just put everything into play, made, you know, made it tactical and made it um real for the students that to see if this is something that would be of interest to them I think recruiting is, is a dating game really you need to understand what it is that you like and don't like and I thought that and I thought like the case study competition was an op- uh, a great opportunity to be able to do that So long story short we actually were able to expand the, the competition to three HBCUs and I think we ended up having about six New hires, it's kind of split between full-time and um, interns. And I think they, I'm, I'm not sure if they still do the case competition now, but I know they still recruit at those HBCs. So it was a great experience. There's an opportunity in a space for you if you want it. And again, to see somebody, you know, a black woman from a small city doing something at a large company. Um, I think it just helps with relatability, right, where representation matters. And that
1: really, it kind of pushed you in the direction of becoming this financial educator that you're developing
2: into now, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, aside from the CASE competition, I had um, several opportunities to work with local organizations in Chicago to teach, you know, a session about credit, for example, to a women's professional development group. Or we would have high school mm-hmm. students actually come into the office, and I got a chance to teach a session to them. Um, I volunteered with local organizations um, and actually was a mentor for a high school student and I stayed with her for three years, kind of walking her through the college the college prep process um, and into her actual college career, you know, talking her through, you know, first year and, and what to do in between the summers and things. So um, just getting my hands dirty, I really, you know, really just kind of sparked an interest in me. I, I'm naturally, I think I'm an educator at heart. I think that was right. the first thing I said, I, Aside from being a cowgirl. I wanted to be a child girl <laughs> when I was younger. But aside what? from that, um, the, first thing I <laughs> the first thing I ever said I wanted to be was a teacher. And I didn't expect mm-hmm. that this is the way, you know, life would unfold. But I think I'm naturally an educator. I love information. And I, I feel like I'm really good at dissecting it. And then I love being able to help people in the way that, that education has helped me. Um, right. And I think that's really what, you know, wrapping all the pieces that we've already talked about together, that is that whole idea of, The value of a college degree for me was educating myself in a way that I could help others to do the same. Mm.
1: I also have a little inside scoop on something Jade wrote recently for One Choice magazine. And so I'm going to read one sentence out of this article that blew me away. I love the analogy. y'all know I'm a sucker for a metaphor. So Jade, in talking about her career journey being a whirlwind, said what she's learned is that each phase of her career is like a puzzle piece. It doesn't always seem significant, but it is necessary to get the full picture. Jay, talk more about how your career process has been a whirlwind, but how it's giving you like a bigger picture about your life and what your purpose is. Yeah.
2: As you're reading that, I'm like, wow, I wrote that? <laughs> yes, girl. Let me tell you, girl. You
1: know this is my baby. Wow. I'm like, Hur-key-wee, <laughs> Hur-key-wee.
2: Yeah, that was good. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think a lot of the whirlwind that I that I feel like I've experienced has been, you know, after I decided to leave Morgan Stanley. So I wanted to go back to school to get my MBA, and um, I had a rough last year, I guess, rough last six months there, um, dealing with, a uh, toxic manager, put sum so that up quickly. Um, and mm-hmm. I was like, I have to get out. So MBA was kind of my, like a good transition to give me a good excuse when people ask, like, why are you leaving? You know, I'm going back to school kind of thing. So, um NBA right. didn't work out. Long story short, NBA did not work out. I did not get into any the schools that I applied to, which really just shook my whole world. And, and the, that's kind of where the whirlwind began because outside of, you know, getting a degree, being one of the first people in my family to get a degree and then having this great job in this big city and nice apartment and all these things, I felt like after I let all that go, really, I, I moved back home. I left my job, which means I left the house, you know, the apartment. I just really felt like I lost who I was. Um, I kind of tied you know, who I was into what I was doing. And of course, that's not a healthy way to function, but that just had become my reality. And I think that year of being unemployed, I ended up being um, unemployed and or on contract kind of throughout the year. I'm trying to figure out how to sum this up quickly. But what I will say about not, you know, not having a full time job, it really forced me to figure out what was important to me. And after about six months of like, Kind of going through the motions, and you know, depression, and all these things, and just the uncertainty of life. Like, what? Well, what am I gonna do now? I really came to the conclusion or the realization that life is what you make it, and if I stay, stay stuck at. <laughs> who I was at 23 years old, I'd still mentally be in that place, you know, years from now. So I'm like, well, what is, what is, it, what is it that you want out of life? And so I, that's kind of when I began to almost take charge, take my journey by the reins and really develop or create a life that I desire. And so I got um, intentional about getting active back home in Milwaukee, um, work, and then I ended up uh, volunteering with a local organization that teaches personal finance in high school. So it, it Things just started to come back together. That's that. Those are the whole puzzle pieces thing. I feel like if I would have gotten into school, I wouldn't be where I am now. I feel like mm. if, if I didn't have that um, contract role at the accounting firm, that some of the same skills that I needed to be in that role are the same skills I'm using right now in my, in my current job. The role that I took on contract would have been lower pay, lower skill, lower everything. Compared to what I was doing, and if I would have let my ego get get in ahead of me or take take over that experience, I wouldn't have been able to receive everything that I got. Like I, God really showed me that there are things that I want out of life, and I needed to learn the skills and enlarge my heart to serve in a way that was going to help me in in my leadership position. In general, to anybody listening, life is not always a bunch of Fridays. Sometimes life is really just a bunch of Mondays, and you have to learn how to deal with those Mondays. You know, like if we, when we think about what a Monday is, we we The weekend is over. The excitement of, you know, hanging out or doing whatever you want to do is just, you know, It's taken away because you have to go back to your normal routine, and sometimes Mondays can be mundane, and understanding that that's just part of life, and sometimes the, the failure is the actual lesson, and I don't really like the word failure anymore just because I don't think that I failed at anything. I just think that there are things that didn't work out for, for the better, and if you can change your perspective to understand those things, you can pull what you need from those in order to create the picture or create the life, like I've been saying lately, of creating the life you desire. Um, and, and I believe in God. I, I'm, obviously, I believe in the purpose that He has for me. But um, understanding that I make decisions along the way that kind of frame how I'm able to function on a regular day-to-day basis. So I hope that answers your question. I feel like I kind of went on a on a tangent, but. <laughs> the
1: best tangent you could have possibly gone on let me tell you my little finger is over here jotting down like crazy i just want to hit an instant replay button so that we can run all of that back and y'all definitely download this episode because you need to listen to it again everything from deal with the mondays because mondays can be mundane like mundane you need to go ahead And copyright that, okay? (laughs) Get that (laughs) trademark. You hit on so many important things from identity formation to developing a skill set that you can use in any field or career that you take on and then also enlarging your heart to serve let's mm-hmm. start right there like what does it mean for us to enter into a phase in our lives where we've been great right we've been the person everybody looks up to we've been that person who's always applauded for what they do but we have to define who are we when that stuff doesn't exist right when affirmation isn't the first thing that's coming out of people's mouth, you know, they're asking you, well, what are you doing now? Like, where are you now? Like, why aren't you in school? You know, you're getting all of these questions that feel more like attacks, right? Against, I'm not doing enough. And so you're wrestling with this idea of, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing, yet I'm exactly where God wants me to be. And in that space, learning that you can have a heart that's geared towards service, but there is a certain position that your heart needs to be in, even with your heart being geared towards service, right? You mentioned something that is so key, and I want y'all to really listen to that. She had to take a job. It was a lower paying job, and it wasn't necessarily exactly what you wanted to do either, right? It was using Mm -hmm, some of the same skills you had learned, but it wasn't necessarily in your field, right? You had to humble yourself and understand that sometimes you're going to serve and you're not going to be paid what you're worth. There's still some service that you can provide, which is really important when we talk about being an educator, because most of the time you're going into contexts where people can't pay you what you're worth. They can't afford your speaker fee they can't afford to give you an honorarium and so you have to have a heart for service can you talk a little bit about that because now I get to I get to brag about Jay because she packs lunches and things guys she's really cute I don't (laughs) know a better way to say it other than she's one of the most incredible people I know okay she really does have a heart for service so I want you to talk a little bit about you talked about mentoring a little bit. But talk about how you positioned your heart
2: to be geared towards service. Yeah, I think it really just, it sounds simple now that I'm thinking about what I want to say, but I think it really just comes to putting people first or, that may, or maybe even just thinking about people first. Um, naturally, we have self-inclined or selfish tendencies to think about what we want or how we feel like our lives should be. And it, it Quite honestly, it affects everybody around you. You know, and I'll say right now, like, I live with my mom, and if I was always functioning in what can life look like for me in this house, I would miss out on some of the opportunities to to do for her. You know what I mean? Like, whether it's getting up to do the dishes on the weekend, because I know she had a rough day the day before at work, or, um, you know, she brought home salmon and put it in the freezer taking it out to put it in the fridge just so she can make her own dinner or just make the dinner for her because I'm already cooking Um, making the extra serving of rice if I know that she's going to need a side for whatever she's going to eat and and those are really small examples obviously very specific to me but I think it's just the heart of what I'm doing is considering other people more than just Mm. myself Um, and I think that's that's been my position in anything that I do Um, when I'm educating for example you know I can I come from a, a mindset of or i don't even say mindset I, I have a certain level of privilege right i have had a career to this point i've been able to do certain things i moved home with my mom and I had which afforded me the ability to save so in some aspects people, people looking at me you know might say well you know your your reality is different and i thought even for that my comment about putting others or thinking of others before yourself is me considering or taking enough time to prepare my thoughts or comments um, to tailor to the community that I'm speaking to, right? I can't say you should put $500 toward your your debt if I know you're still living paid paycheck to paycheck. It's not realistic, and it's almost presumptuous or rude for me to tell you to do that when I when I know the demographic that I'm that I may be speaking to. If that makes sense, um, when it comes to you know, educating college kids, uh, just taking the time to get to know their story versus just always spewing out my own. And that, I mean, I think even that, just listening before you speak is huge in that whole idea of service, because then you really understand where the need is or what the desire is, um, which I think enables you or enhances your ability to actually serve in the way that people need to be served. And I think that's one thing that I've learned, even like I I spoke about the the contract law that I was doing. Um, I could have gone in there with my, you know, financial service background and just been saying how to do this and this third. That wouldn't have done anything for the the office. It would have done it for my ego. Um, And, you know, like I said, some of the things that I had to do with my day-to-day responsibilities were, like, cleaning and stocking the kitchen. You know, and I'm like, cleaning and stocking? Like, if if you think about where I just came from, you know, like, for me, that whole, even some days it like, thinking about what I was doing before and now I'm cleaning the kitchen, but I did everything and I think I said this on my Instagram story yesterday, or the day before, but operating in a spirit of excellence. And that go that's that goes hand in hand with service me because I'm always giving all for the most part all that I can um to make that experience for who, whoever encounters me the same. Regardless of if I'm paid, regardless of if um I want to be doing what I'm asked to do. Just Doing it all with a spirit of excellence because I think that is where you you get the reward sometimes when that reward may not be financial or tangible.
1: No, you're saying some really important stuff here. And it's it's letting me know that you're going to come back on the podcast because I want you to talk about our emotional wellness. You shift your mindset from what can I do to who I am because it's so important and I'm not going to go into it. I'm reminding myself right now that I'm not going to go into it because I really want to talk about it, Jay. Okay, yes. I'm going to say one thing oh. about that,
2: just because I am going to keep it brief. I no, did a podcast go for episode, it. And, and my mentor said, or a, a lady that I consider a mentor, um, she said, I'm not a human being. She said, I'm a human being, not a human doing. And that, mm-hmm. like, it hit so hard when she said it, just because it, it literally is exactly what you're saying when you talk about identity formation. I think we just get so caught up in the things that we do. But so people yes. ask, like, who are you? you want to automatically go to everything that you're doing or who you are mm-hmm. as a professional versus, you know, like, I, I love what you said when you came on my podcast, and I hope y'all listen to that episode. Um, but you talked about just who you are as a person, you know, you're the person throwing confetti, you are, you know, the the person cheering people on and encouraging people, like, it's all value, it's, it's value driven, right? It's not, Action-driven, and those things—not matter to say that those things don't matter—but they shouldn't be the, the foundation of who we are because we're so much bigger than that. So I'm going to stop there on that comment, but I just wanted to share that quote. That it really hit me like right inside my head when she said it. Um, I'm a human being, not a human doing.
1: Are you looking for a lifestyle magazine that challenges your mindset and spirit? Do you need recipes to help you eat healthier and fitness tips that target your body type and needs? Check out One Choice Magazine, your trusted resource for wellness, personal growth, and spiritual development. Read articles that educate, uplift, and inspire readers to live well. Get the latest issue at onechoicemag.com. That is so important. It's so important to remind yourself that although you do a lot of things, it's still not who you are. We're going to transition into talking about finance now, more specifically, In August 2020, Jade wrote an article in One Choice magazine about managing your debt and lowering your debt. And I really thought that it was important, especially since we're about to get this second wave or third wave for some of stimulus checks. And it's a great time to talk Mm -hmm. about our finances and how we can be good stewards. If you don't understand what a steward is, it's having the, the wisdom of using and overseeing your wealth, making good choices, not only for you now, today, but for you in the future. And so, in this article, you talk about like lowering your debt and you really break down what a principal is and what interest is and when it comes to our finances. And I wanted to know if you could just highlight that one more time for us. So, what is principal and what is interest?
2: Yeah, sure. So principal is the actual amount that you borrow. So if you take out a loan, for example, and they give you a $2,000 loan, then the principal is the $2,000. The interest is the price you pay for borrowing money. So it sounds good when you get your credit cards and you get your loans right, but you're actually paying to borrow that money. So the, the interest would be anything on a monthly or most times an annual basis, broken down monthly, that you would pay uh, toward that, the cost of that overall loan, so that $2,000. Pretty straightforward, but just it's the price you pay for borrowing is essentially what interest is. Yeah, because some people
1: think, oh, I only pay back that amount that I borrowed. And it's like, no, that amount grows. Like, if you ever look at your statement, yeah. you'll see, you mentioned the two methods, the snowball method and then the avalanche method where you can pay off
2: debt. Can you explain that to us a little bit? Yep. So if we're talking specifically about debt payoff, again, all this stuff, real quick disclaimer is personal finance is personal, right? So whatever works for you, do that. Just have a, have a strategy and then stick to that strategy or evaluate it and then readjust. But um, the snowball method, think about it. If anybody's from a, a state that snows and you know exactly what I'm saying when I say snowball, you, essentially how it worked is that idea where you pack on a little more at a time in order to create an actual snowball. So in terms of paying off your debt, it focuses on paying off the smallest balances first. So let's just say real quick, you have three credit cards. One credit card has a $300 balance, $500 balance is a second card, and $1,000 balance is the third card. You'd work on paying off credit card, the first credit card first, because it's the, only that $300. That way you can take whatever money you were putting into that balance um, toward that balance and, and pack it on in addition to whatever you were paying on that second card and so on. So the idea is that you're still paying the minimum on all three cards, but you're you're hyper-focused on one particular card um, because that's you know, the lowest balance first. And the psychology behind that is really that we like immediate rewards, right? So you pay off a small balance first, you get excited, and now you're motivated to keep going and, and packing on um, to pay off the next and the third and so on. So some people like that, again, because you kind of get, I don't want not say an immediate reward, but you do get a reward faster um, than you with the avalanche method. And it—I've never experienced it, the avalanche, but I think of cartoons where somebody screams and the whole <laughs> all the snow <smoke laughs> just falls right on top of them. That's essentially right. what the avalanche method looks like um, for uh, paying off debt. So, in the avalanche method, what you're focusing on is paying off the debt with the highest interest rate first. So let's let's keep that same example real quick of the three credit cards, three hundred, five hundred, and Salve. Let's say credit card two has a twenty-six percent interest rate, which is true if you're having credit cards, which is why you should pay attention to interest rates, because that's crazy high. Um, but what do you with them? so let's say credit card two has a twenty-six percent, credit card one has a fifteen percent, and then credit card three, this is even confusing, but <laughs> the third credit card with a thousand dollars has a ten percent balance, right? So in order you'd pay credit card two first, pay credit card one second. And then pay credit card three last kind of like the mm-hmm. first, but you're focusing yeah. on the interest rate because 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 the interest rate is so high, you're in, you're ending up paying more, right? Think about what I said before: is that it's the price you pay for not bought, for not using you your own money. So um, because the twenty six percent is high, even though that five hundred dollars may not be as high as a thousand, you, you're knocking off time um, that you're having to pay on that debt. The math behind it is fairly simple. Um, but it's crazy to think that, for example, if you pay five extra dollars a month on your credit card, you can actually knock off half a year, a year, depending on your interest rates. So I would say to anybody listening who might have credit cards, check your statement, because they actually do give you um, a box on one side of your statement that tells you, you know, if you pay, you know, your minimum dollars might be 35 35 dollars right usually it's anywhere between one and three percent that you pay on a credit card and i'm just using credit cards to take a few examples um so let's say that your minimum payment is 32 dollars or 35 dollars and then it'll tell you in the next box if you pay you know 40 dollars then this is how much time and how soon you'll pay it off and here's how much here's how much money and interest you save so pay attention to that so anytime you have extra money put it towards your credit card because you're, you're knocking down the time that you would have to pay. Um, And this is for anybody that that hasn't paid off their balance in full. Obviously the most ideal way to manage your credit is to use it in a way that you can pay off the entire balance at the next due date. I haven't, completely gotten there quite honestly. I'm still paying off stuff from bad decisions back in college or high school or whatever. Um, but the idea is that this is how it works. So Avalanche again is a good method if you wanna cut down the amount of time you're you you're having to pay on one particular debt. And then the snowball method is really good if you just need some quick wins to keep you motivated along your your debt payoff. There's no right or wrong. It goes back to what matters to you.
1: Thank you, Jay, for breaking that down because that was really helpful. Mm-hmm. I wanna also Um, reiterate one thing that Jay said personal finance is personal so each person's situation Mm -hmm. is different and unique and what resources you have and what you're able to pay is going to be different and unique from other people so I support you getting a personal finance coach like Jay Hendricks visit her at jadeihendrix.com or um, (laughs) sitting down with the person who does your your finances. If you have an accountant, if you run a business, you should definitely be sitting down with somebody. In order to use those methods, you have to set a goal. Jade lists four tips in this August 2020 article. So Jade, talk to us about setting a goal when it comes to managing your debt or saving, because you're huge on talking about saving and give us all your educational tips on setting goals, because. It's hard to to decrease your debt if you don't have a goal, right?
2: So talk to us about that. Yep, exactly. Yeah, so that's actually one of my favorite. No matter what I'm talking about, who I'm talking to, I always go back to goal setting. Um, I'm a big, big advocate for vision boards, but that's because I like to see what I'm looking to accomplish. There's also a lot of psychology and research around people who actually set goals and write them down are um, a lot more likely to achieve those goals um, and if they, and then some in some cases achieve them faster than those who don't write them down, even if they do have, even if they have that goal. So the first thing is to write it down. That's, that would be my thing. You know, if we're talking specifically about debt, you know, getting specific about what that is. I just did a workshop uh, last week and I go back to smart goals. And I, I think lots of us have heard of, heard of smart goals, but it's smart, measurable, attainable, relevant, or realistic and timely. So. When you think about paying off uh, a credit card, for example, instead of saying I want to pay off debt, right, that's just a goal. Yeah, but that doesn't really give you any clarity because, again, we have three credit cards. Going back to my original example of consistency here, Um, a smart goal would be I want to pay off my $500 Wells Fargo credit card bill by July. So that gives you how many months you have. You know how much the total balance is, and so that, that will uh, uh, enable you to calculate how much money you need to put per month towards that credit card bill. And then you go back to your why. Why do you want to do it because you're you're working towards becoming debt free or you, you know you can use that money towards um, your vacation fund because at some point we'll get to travel freely. So just thinking about those things, making sure it's specific so that way you can actually do something with it, you know. Paying off debt is good, but if you have three credit cards and two loans, it doesn't really give you much to work with. So that's definitely um, what I would say around that. um, You know, in this social media world and in general, we talk a lot about visualization and and manifestation and intention. And so I think it's all important. And I think beyond the intention is the action. Like, you have to set a goal, but you have to actually do it. And just don't be afraid to commit. That's one thing I've been... uh, Emphasizing a lot ladies lately, lately talking to people is just commit to the reality or commit to the potential reality of you being the person you want to be and that's an that's across any any board Pierre already said that i'm i'm a am a huge holistic wellness advocate um I talk about all things all wellness um uh, or dimensions of wellness to the podcast mm-hmm. so, <laughs> the podcast focus but um you know i I really think that um when you commit to your journey. It it, it becomes more than just a task. It becomes part of the purpose behind whatever you're doing. Go back to your wife. And when she talks about being
1: all things holistic, Jay works out. She's in her fifth year of being plant-based. Like, guys, when I say she's a sensei, like, Jay, teach us your ways, please. Great one. (laughs) Like, teach us, teach us, because we on the struggle bus, Jade. We on the struggle bus. Everybody, Every you have a starting point, you know, that's all. We do. <laughs> we do. I hope you guys really listen during this conversation, because Jade has given us so many gems. I will remind you of this article that she wrote in August 2020 in One Choice Magazine, because that's what we've been talking about today. But there are three other tips. Automate, automate, automate. And I will let you hit on this once, Jade, before we wrap it up. Because a lot of people are afraid of allowing automatic payments to come out of their bank accounts. Why do you advocate for that?
2: Yeah, I think that if you gave yourself the choice to pay off debt or save or any anything like that versus spend, you're going to spend it. So if you can automate a transfer into your savings account or automate the extra payment to your credit card or loan, it, it removes the, the thought process behind it because more than likely if you had to choose you'd choose yeah you would choose to, to keep your money and in, spend in, in it. So um I, I highly advocate for automation. You don't have to automate everything but the things that you like, you would prefer to forget about, do that. It's just like a regular deposit. You know, you'd rather just get the money in your account so you don't have to cash the check. So think about it the same way when you're working towards saving or paying off debt or anything like that. Right.
1: So Jade, how can we follow you and what's coming up next for you?
2: Okay, so the corporate creative podcast is all about living the life you have while creating the life you desire. So um, I talk with a bunch of cool people like Sierra who are sharing their career journeys and and sharing their insight about what it says to get to where they are now and the obstacles they face. I I think the biggest thing about the, the journey that we all live is that we all face obstacles to my point or my story earlier and i think we forget that because social media gives you people's highlight reels. So i wanted to be i wanted to be really realistic and just encourage people so uh, it's all about the work in and life and, and how to manage it all and how to create what you want out of it so um corporate creative podcast is on instagram and facebook now at corporate creative pod Um, And if you want to subscribe to my newsletter, I I release a bi-weekly newsletter called Personal Finance Fridays, where I, you know, give a bunch of financial tips or my thoughts on the topic in relation to personal finance. Um, You can subscribe on my website at jihendricks.com. If you want to follow me and all my holistic wellness and things, you can follow me on Instagram at jihendricks, H-E-N-D-R-I-C-K-S. And we will include all of those links
1: in the show notes. And definitely visit her website and subscribe so you can get the newsletter. She does give you really practical information. And I love when people give you practical steps to take and implement into your life and build those habits that we don't have. And you guys can follow Jade and subscribe to her newsletter and the podcast. And we'll have her back because we need to dive more into this. So we look forward to having you back on
0: the podcast, Jade. Yes, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. Bye, everybody all right y'all take care i'll talk to you later dm us at mckissick health um on instagram facebook twitter everywhere dm us let us know how it went let us know if you like this episode of the podcast and be sure to rate and leave a review